The show about science is now available on StoryButton, the device that makes it easy for kids to listen to podcasts without using a screen device. StoryButton is a one-stop shop for amazing kids' podcasts that will help your kids grow their brains. StoryButton connects to Wi-Fi so that all of our episodes are automatically available on StoryButton. Click the link below in the show notes to get free shipping or learn more at storybutton.com. Hi, my name's Zach. I'm 12 years old and I host We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. Like a lot of kids my age, when I think about the future, I can't help but wonder what kind of world will be waiting for us. Will polar bears still roam the Arctic? Will we still be able to see colorful coral reefs or build snowmen in the winter? I'd like to think so. That's why I'm trying to learn as much as I can about climate change science, stories, and solutions from some of the world's leading experts and share what I learned with all of you. Together, we can decide what type of future we want for our planet. Subscribe to We the Children on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and visit us at wethechildrenpodcast.com. Remember, we, the children, have the power to make a difference. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the show about science. This is your host, Nate. And today, we're going on a field trip. That's right, we're getting out of the studio and heading down to the California Academy of Sciences to meet some of the scientists who work there. Plus, I have a speech to give, but we'll get to that later. It's going to be a busy day, so let's get this episode started. Hi there. Hi. This is my first guest, Terry. I'm Terry Goslinger, and I'm a senior curator of invertebrate zoology here at the California Academy of Sciences in San Francisco. Terry studies some very interesting invertebrates. So I study snails and slugs that live on coral reefs, mostly in places like the Philippines. So I get to swim around in tropical reefs and study what's going on to those coral reefs and how we can help protect them. Without protection, these sea slugs and the coral reefs they call home are in danger. Terry says that even though the sea slugs don't have shells as adults, they do have them during their larval stage. So they start out as a tiny little shelled creature and their shells would definitely be impacted by ocean acidification. And that's one of the reasons that we're so worried about ocean acidification, because when they're tiny, they don't have their defense mechanisms other than that shell. And if the shell gets dissolved by it being too acid, they're helpless. The other thing is that they live on coral reefs, and we know how climate change is really devastating coral reefs around the world. And so many of these live in these coral reef habitats, and if there's no coral reef because the corals have died, there won't be any slugs left either. Can you tell our listeners about what your work is doing to 
help the sea slugs and... Okay. So one of the things that my work is doing is I'm working with people in the Philippines to help protect their reefs and to do survey work that can be done by ordinary people that live in the communities near the ocean in the Philippines to be able to monitor their reefs and look for early signs of climate change and coral bleaching and things like that. And the other thing we're doing to help with climate change is that we're trying to reduce other things that provide stress to that environment, um, like pollution, plastics, having dirt and soil come from the shore that can cover the reefs and be a problem for those reefs because the living corals can't deal with that amount of um, dirt and sediment. And so we're trying to spend a lot of time, when I go and do the scientific work that I do, we also talk to kids and teachers and to political leaders in the Philippines and, and mayors, anybody who will listen about what they can do to help protect their reefs and reduce some of the other things that put stress on reefs while we're finding solutions to climate change. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for coming and for being such a great questioner and for being so smart and having learned so much about climate change. You're doing a fantastic job. My next guest started her entomology collection when she was about my age. Well, you know, I think ever since a little kid, I've been pretty interested in bugs and being outdoors and looking under rocks and logs and in tide pools. This is Lauren. I am Dr. Lauren Esposito, and I am a scorpion biologist. Lauren began her path to becoming a scorpion biologist with an entomology class in college, where she caught the bug for, well, bugs. As part of the class, we had to go out and make our own insect collection and I thought that it was the best class I had ever taken in my whole life. I definitely want to, like, make an insect collection. Well, you can. And when I was a kid, I had an insect collection, too, but I was just doing it as a hobby. How do you do it? Well, a trick that my mom taught me when I was a kid is you take a jar, and you put inside of that jar a cotton ball soaked in fingernail polish remover. And then when you put an insect in there, it euthanizes it. It kills it humanely so that it's not suffering. And then you can take that insect out and dry it and store it however you want. When I was a kid, I kept mine in egg cartons. The collection at the California Academy of Sciences is much, much bigger than the one Lauren made as a kid. In our collections, we have gems and minerals and fossils and scorpions and birds. And there's over 45 million different items. And we keep those items like a library. Have you been to a library before? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, what's in there? Books. Lots of books, right? And can you check those books out and read them? Yeah. Yeah, you can. And we do the same with our library of life. You can check one of these out if you're a scientist and study it. And when you're all finished, return it to us. And so all these little scorpions that are in here are our library or a part of our library of scorpions. Have any scientists researched any of these scorpions? Well... All the scorpions that are in here happen to belong to a group of scorpions called the bark scorpions. And not bark like a dog, but a different kind of bark. What's another kind of bark? 
Tree bark? Tree bark, because they like to live under the bark of trees. And this is a group of scorpions that I've spent a long, long time studying. Did you find all of these? I did not find all of these. There's scientists all over the world and all throughout history that have found these scorpions in this vial. And just yesterday I was looking at one, and it was a vial of scorpions from the Galapagos Islands, and it was found by somebody in 1954. Oh. That's a long time ago, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. So there was people that lived before me that found some of these scorpions. How many scorpions have you found that you've contributed to this collection? Oh, that's a really good question. So in a given year, I collect all kinds of things, all arachnids, so scorpions and spiders and whip spiders and harvestmen. And in a given year, I probably collect around 10,000 arachnids and bring them to this collection. Okay, and so like, how do you keep them alive? Well, we don't keep them alive, so we euthanize those animals, and we preserve them, and they stay in our library so that people can study them. And each of them represent a time and a place on Earth. So I go out to a place at a certain time. So last year I went to Malaysia, I went to Penang Island, and I collected lots of spiders and scorpions, and I preserved them and brought them back for other researchers to study them, and I found a new species, one that scientists had never seen before. Discovering a new species sounds incredible, and Lauren said that the species she discovered was a type of scorpion. Which made me think, when you're making a new discovery, how do you know which type of arachnid you found? Well, scorpions and spiders are both arachnids, which you already know, right? Because how many pairs of legs do they have? Eight. They have eight legs, four pairs. So scorpions and spiders are distant relatives, which are both arachnids. They both evolved from aquatic animals, so they lived in the ocean before they came out onto land. And they came out onto land independently, probably, so separately. And scorpions and spiders probably shared their last common ancestors, so the last time they had a shared a relative in common was about 450 million years ago. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for coming by my office. Okay, one more interview before my big speech. Just a quick walk down the hall, and I was in the office of my last guest. Hi. Hi. I'm Natalie. Hi, I'm Nate. Nice to meet you. You too. This is Natalie Nagalinga. I am a botanist, and I work on plants, and the plants that I work on are these cycads. And what I do is I go out into the wild, and I look at the plants, and I discover new plants. Sometimes um, I can find new species. Uh, I also look at their DNA and try and understand their DNA as well. Natalie doesn't just study any old plants. She studies plants that were alive in the age of the dinosaurs, which are called living fossils. The reason they're called living fossils is because the living plants look just like the fossil plants that we see. And so oftentimes we call something that looks the same as a fossil, a living fossil. And so I work on a group of plants called cycads. Have you ever heard about those? I don't think so. What about, have you heard about dinosaurs? Yeah. And when you draw a dinosaur, what kind of plants do you draw? I don't draw plants. You don't draw plants? Oh my Uh. gosh. (laughs) Well, some people when they draw dinosaurs, they draw 
something that looks like a palm tree. And so what it is, is that it's these plants called cycads. And so they existed along with the dinosaurs. Can you describe them? So what it looks like is we have this big sort of central part of the leaf um, and then there's tiny little leaflets. And it so looks, like a palm tree? Yeah, it looks just... People actually call them palms by mistake. Are they extinct? These ones? No. So what... Um, there's about 350 species that we have today. Oh. But they are going extinct. Oh. We as humans are destroying a lot of these species. Is climate change, like, affecting them? That's a really good question. So we don't even know, really. We have a lot of species that can survive fires, and so some will survive fires, but as climate changes, we'll get more fires, and so some of these species will probably be at risk from fires. As the temperature changes, some of these species are going to be at risk as well of going extinct. So we, we just don't know. But it's likely that they will. And they're already really endangered, so it's going to be a big problem. Um, How can people help with your work? So what they can do is they can help visit museums like where we work and botanic gardens. And so what we do in museums and botanic gardens is we look after these plants. And so if people want to help these plants, they can come and visit the botanic gardens and museums. Wrapping up my visit to the California Academy, I was excited to join several other amazing kids as part of the Ocean's Hero panel. We each got the opportunity to share our thoughts about the planet, climate change, and the oceans. Here's what I had to say. Hi, I'm Nate Buckkiss. I'm a third grader from Chicago, Illinois. I host a podcast called The Show About Science. I'm in San Francisco this week for an event called Coal and Ice. The goal of Coal and Ice is to inspire climate action through art and ideas. And my goal is to spread the word and inspire others so that we can solve the problem that is climate change. Personally, I'm concerned about the coral reefs dying and all the fish dying, and soon the things that eat the fish like sharks will die, and then the whole ecosystem will be out of whack. Most people just think climate change is going to happen to us in the future, but it's happening right now, and most people just think it won't affect them personally, but it already is. Most people just think others will fix it. But if we want to solve this problem, we all have to work together. I recently interviewed Milo Crest from the Be Straw Free campaign. Milo is a kid like us. He's 17 now, but he started working to reduce the amount of plastic straws that end up in the ocean when he was only nine. Straws are a problem because they can hurt sea life like sea turtles. Milo's gone around to restaurants to get them to stop automatically giving out straws with every drink. The idea has spread, and now many places are moving away from plastic straws entirely. If each of us picks a thing we care about like Milo did and push for change, 
Those small changes could add up to a big difference in our world. As Milo told me, here's the thing, the planet's not a place that kids will inherit some point off in, far off in the distant future. We live here right now and we share this planet already. So I challenge you to go out there and make some change in this world. Your planet will thank you. As you can hear, this is something I'm very passionate about, and I hope that you'll help spread the word. That's it for this episode. A big thanks to Terry, Lauren, Natalie, Morgan, and everyone else at the museum. Music on today's episode comes from soundslikeanearful.com. Additional music was written by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder, and our theme music was composed by Jeff, Dan, and Teresa Brooks. Okay, Dad, you can shut the recording off. For the newest episodes of the show about science, download the PIN app or go to pinna.fm slash promo. The Show About Science is now available on Story Button, the device that makes it easy for kids to listen to podcasts without using a screen device. Story Button is a one-stop shop for amazing kids' podcasts that will help your kids grow their brains. Story Button connects to Wi-Fi so that all of our episodes are automatically available on Story Button. Click the link below in the show notes to get free shipping or learn more at storybutton.com. Hi, my name's Zach. I'm 12 years old and I host We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. Like a lot of kids my age, when I think about the future, I can't help but wonder what kind of world will be waiting for us. Will polar bears still roam the Arctic? Will we still be able to see colorful coral reefs or build snowmen in the winter? I'd like to think so. That's why I'm trying to learn as much as I can about climate change science, stories, and solutions from some of the world's leading experts, and share what I learned with all of you. Together, we can decide what type of future we want for our planet. Subscribe to We the Children on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and visit us at wethechildrenpodcast.com. Remember, we, the children, have the power to make a difference.